Folks, a little bit of background really quick. I'll share my screen and then I'll have our guest introduce themselves. Um, on May 16th, 2023, Metric shared news that the state of Illinois issued a notice of intent to award Metric with a cannabis track and trace government contract. So um, this will be a, a change because since 2013, I believe, which is, well, I guess it would be sales launched in 2015. So I think since about 2015, we've been using BioTrack as our track and trace software. We're going to be switching to Metric. In the past, we've discussed this and what it could mean in episode number 288 of our show. I spoke with uh, our good friend, Justine, who's worked with both BioTrack and Metric. Uh, so if you've missed that episode, definitely check it out. It's episode number 288. We're going to add to our collection of knowledge and maybe what we can expect today with our guest, Matt. Before we get into it, Matt, why don't you say hi and introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, hey, everyone. It's great to be on the podcast. Um, yeah, so uh, my name's Matt Frisbee. Uh, I work on uh, a platform called Track and Trace Tools in the cannabis industry, um, which we'll we'll talk about what I work on and um, you know, kind of the, the reach of the platform in general. But uh, I've been working on this software for uh, this version of it for almost two years now, and I've been working in the cannabis industry for probably five five years. Yeah, about five years, I'd say. Um, and then before that, I worked at a slate of tech companies, Google, DoorDash, um, and I'm a Chicago native. Um, I lived out in the Bay Area for about 10 years. Um, I moved out after college, but I just moved back two years ago. So it's good to be back in Illinois. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, well, hey, just, uh, you know, you, like you said, we'll talk about the tool later, but just I, I have to assume right now there's a mixture of both business owners and consumers tuning in to maybe uh, gauge what they can expect and they might be interested in your tool. You want to plug your website real quick? Sure. Yeah. So you can find the find the product at um, trackandtrace.tools or just Google track and trace tools. It's the first result. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a free Chrome extension for uh, Illinois hasn't quite rolled out metric yet. So um, business owners are, will be jumping the gun a little bit, but um, it's free to use. Um, and it's, it's a tool that's, it's open source and it's for the, the cannabis industry as a whole. And it's built purely to help um, cannabis businesses stay afloat. Um, for entities trying to cut costs, which is basically everybody these days. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I'm really not sure where to start, but I, I guess I wanted, maybe this is a natural place to start. Have you ever heard of a state switching from BioTrack to metric? Yeah. So this is, this is the first one. I was actually, um, I was at a conference in Chicago, a cannabis conference. And, uh, I, I just heard about this offhand. I was, I was just in like a group of people, um, we were, I, I don't remember what we were talking about, but, uh, I, someone mentioned offhand and like, yeah, Illinois switched to Metro. I'm like, hold on. What, what did you just say? Like, go back, go back and say that again. Um, cause I, this is, this is totally unprecedented. <clears throat> so the, the, this has never happened. And I guess the cannabis industry is pretty young. So, um, it shouldn't be a total surprise that this happened at some point, but, um, I think, uh, if you looked at the landscape of track and trace solutions like four years ago, it was much more spread out. Like it was not clear that that metric was going to become um, the dominant 
um, the, the dominant platform and it was spread out over a bunch of states like MJ Freeway has a couple states, um, you know, some states self-report, but um, there is a very clear consolidation to the metric platform itself. Um, and I think that's, it's, I mean, we'll get into the, the reasons behind that. Cause I think it's actually, it's a really interesting discussion of why they're having so much success. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll leave it there. We can, we can dive into like what the implications are in the state of Illinois, if you want. Sure. And actually, before we do that, um, hold on, I'm just writing that question down that you just asked so that we can make sure or that topic you just asked so we, I can make sure to circle back to it. Why is metric had success has so much success? Um, I thought it'd be interesting to make that to to just in case people are listening and don't understand the distinction you just drew. Sounds like there are there's a dichotomy right now in the states where you're either using a state approved track and trace software or you're self-reporting. Is that what you just said, correct? Yeah. So I, I think the 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 issue at hand, I think, is best understood from um its place of need. So when states pass uh, cannabis legalization, either medical or recreational, um, they will uh, they'll, they'll basically after it'll be done by a voter proposition usually. And then um, once it's passed, it enters a rulemaking session. And so the state will have to decide how do we implement this proposition that was just passed? Because the prop- propositions as written are not very long. It's a couple paragraphs. That's not yeah. the actual law. And so um, that will usually spawn into existence um, some sort of cannabis regulatory entity, and then they need to decide how they want to um, control the cannabis businesses in that state. And so they'll put out an RFP for companies to come in and pitch them on how do you want to help us regulate the cannabis companies in our state. Um, And so companies will place bids and then the state will ultimately select one. and so that is the process that Illinois just went through. It wasn't post-legalization, but it was essentially sure. the same. They took a bunch of bids and then picked one that they liked. Um, and we'll actually talk, because I was looking at the, the bid earlier today, and it's we should definitely touch on that later because it's pretty unbelievable. Um, anyway, so once that's done, um, yeah, the, the platforms will say, okay, you know, we're going to, this is how we'll allow the states to, you know, make sure that product is tested. And this is how we're going to make sure that, you know, companies are paying taxes and how we're going to make sure that product is not commingling with the black market, things like that. Um, and so metric is the dominant platform that does this. And so the way, um, the way that they operate is pretty much hidden from the end consumer. So people who are purely going into dispensaries and buying products, um, you know, even as the state transitions to metric, um, you're not really going to, you're, you're not going to see a changeover. There's not going to be much of it. I mean, there may be delays or some, some, some second order effects, but, um, nothing's going to change, but in states that use metric, let's use California as an example. Um, if you were to go in a dispensary and buy, um, pack of pre-rolls, let's say, and you look on the packaging, there's going to be a 24 digit number on there. that'll say like UID or something like that. And that is the track and trace tag um, that is sourced from metric. So the way that metric allows the state to kind of observe the whole industry in that state is that every at every point in the supply chain to bring you that pre-roll, um, there is a, they call it a tag assigned. Um, and so like, for example, like a box of pre-rolls, let's say you've got like a box of five pre-rolls, 
that it was brought to the dispensary in a box that came contained 200 boxes that gets a separate tag that was shipped from a manufacturer who made 10,000 pre-rolls that has a separate tag that was taken from a batch of uh, shake um, that has a separate tag, so on and so forth, all the way back to the plant. Um, and so what, what a tag means is that for metric, it's a physical piece of plastic that has an RFID chip inside and that, which also has the number on it. And so that will be physically affixed to wherever it is in that supply chain. And then the businesses purchase these tags from metric and then apply them and register them with the metric software. And then uh, a state regulator can come in and check the tags inside in a business, verify that they match what metric says, because metric is allowing the state to see everything that's going on. Um, and then this is how the whole compliance process works. So every, I think it's like 24 states now um, that are using metric in some fashion, they're all doing it this ex pretty much the exact same way um, with slight changes, but it's it's basically the same everywhere. Um, and so that's how metric works. Um, and would, and it be, would it be accurate to say that like seed to sale in general, whether you're doing self-reporting or you're using metric or MJ freeway or whatever platform you happen to be using, the point is to comply with the coal memo, um, like federal guidance to prevent diversion. I mean, that's the whole idea, right? Seed to sale. You want to make yes, the government right. wants so, to. For sure. Yeah. So it's, it. it's how do these, cause the States are um, in a big part of the decision-making process when they're awarding these contracts is like, how can we basically do this in the way where we're not going to poke the federal government in the eye? Yeah. Um, so yes, absolutely. That that's a big motivator. It's like, how, like one, how do we get paid? <laughs> how are we getting our money for this? How are we right. collecting the taxes? And two, how do we make sure that we're, you know, the, the, the feds aren't going to come in be like, no, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And um, for folks that are wondering really quick, I just referenced the coal memo. It's federal, um, it's a federal memorandum from, um, I believe attorney, then attorney general, Eric Cole, maybe that, maybe I've got his name wrong. James Cole, maybe I can't remember. It's at the top of this memo, but part of it is there, they gave a criteria to all States. And if you met this criteria, the feds will not intervene in your state sanctioned cannabis so one of the things is preventing diversion of marijuana from states where it is legal under state law and in some form in other states you know preventing distribution to minors um, all these things i think are reasons that we've come to see seed to sale systems i just wanted to make that small point you know sure. james um, cole by the way <laughs> james cole I, I was actually eric cole sounded right to me so i'm glad you i was like yeah so <laughs> yeah, me too um Right. And so, but I think the the other thing to understand is like that, I think the states are mostly concerned with staying within the lines as opposed to like, how do we maximally aid the industry? It's like, how can we definitely play by the rules right. um, while still respecting the proposition? And so right. there are, um, the cannabis industry is kind of caught in between a rock and a hard place there because they're um, one, like they're completely at the whims of state regulators who, I mean, it's a, it's a still a very new industry and, um, you know, it's like, okay, well abide by these tons of regulations and rules and pay all these taxes. And like, then you get to play ball or, you know, whatever, then don't, don't exist as a business. Fine. 
And so a lot of businesses, like they, they want to be, they want to play by the rules. Um, but the, the problem is that they have, right. The, it's like the black market is still much larger than the legal market pretty much everywhere. And so like they have this nefarious competitor that's just like sitting there. That's like essentially stealing business from them. And so for cannabis businesses, it's the whole thing is a mess and they're stuck between so many tough places. Um, and then on top of that, they have these very restrictive track and trace programs saddled atop them um, that they have to deal with. And uh, it's, um, it's tough. It's tough for them. They have, they have a lot of things working against them. So I think we'll, um, I, it's, so let's, let's talk about then like what the actual transition looks like in Illinois. So I, I got to, so the thing is that because these are state contracts, um, it's all public records. You can see exactly how much the states are paying metric to do these sorts of things. Um, and so I, I went to, to take a look at the, the most recent, uh, award, um, for the bid. And so, you know, the, in the RFP, they have like, you know, you have to do these things and, you know, support businesses in this way. And so, like a lot of the regulators do this and then like they'll, they'll place the bids and Biotrack, um, bid, like bid like $10 million, I think, um, metric bid $500,000. So 95% lower than the next highest bid, which is a crazy differential. Like that is nothing. So I, which really, it, it raises the question, how can they possibly do that? And I think this really starts to get to the, the root of the, the, um, the root of the issue or like how metric makes its money, which is, and you touched upon this in the last podcast, but they make their money selling tags to companies because once metric gets the bid, and of course, if you're going to underbid by 95%, of course, you're going to lock that bid every time. Um, what, you know, that's, that's, that's nothing. I think they, they have 160 employees. Like, how do you keep a company like that going? The, the revenue sources are external to that. So there, once a state has, metric locked into a contract metric starts selling tags to all the companies that want to operate as a cannabis business in that state and you have to buy their tags it is a, it's a it's a complete monopoly there's no other way around it you have to buy a tag for every plant that you grow and every package that you sell um and it's like like 25 to 50 cents a tag which adds up to large amounts when you multiply it by how many businesses in the state of illinois times how many packages times how many plants um, it's, it's, um, they make a tiny profit, I'm sure. Um, and so that is, that is the core piece of their business that they have a, the, an RFID tech that allows regulators to kind of keep the businesses under their thumb and for them to make a profit at the same time. So the problem arises is that is one of incentives. So a company like metric, they, the bit, the cannabis businesses in the state of Illinois are not the customer of metric. The customer, even though they're being paid, they their their obligation is basically the the contract that they signed when they their bid was accepted. Like we have to do this minimum number of things for the businesses, and that's it. We have to really keep the regulators happy. And so, if viewed through that lens, that can that completely informs like how the company operates and why it does what it does. Because if you keep the regulators happy, um, then you're going to keep getting the contracts. And I. To my knowledge, they have a hundred percent renewal rate. Because if you're underbidding and keeping the regulators happy, like why wouldn't you renew? Um, and their business model keeps 
a healthy cash flow going because like right the tags are infinite you have to buy new ones every single time there's no tag recycling and um and then they can uh sorry i totally lost my train of thought it's all good. um right so they're selling tags and then this they, they, like it's locked up forever and so the um or not locked up forever but like they have these are you know long term contracts years and years and um, oh, I, I remember what I was going to say. And then the prevailing regulatory environment that we're um, we're in absolutely favors metric. They're they're in a very very good position right now because you know the like the whole Schedule Three news recently um, and things like that. Like uh, you know the safe banking is struggling to get passed. Like the it, it's a very lukewarm you know despite the general polling um, you know nationwide, which is like. You know, sixty percent want to legalize cannabis. I, I, I don't think that we can ignore that. Like the the federal government is still like very much in the driver's seat on this, and they are not moving quickly on cannabis. They're it's it's a very lukewarm reception, and they're moving very slowly, and they're obviously not concerned with you know keep, keep pulling their you know from taking their foot off the neck of the industry. Um, and I think they're okay with that. And so, for a company like Metric to come in and have this regulatory friendly business model, um that is seems to be working everywhere and they're able to lock up state contracts. I think they're looking way down the line and going like, well, why can't we keep it this way indefinitely? Like I, you know, the, the idea would be like, Oh, like, you know, it's like tobacco. It's like alcohol. Like it's a basically it's regulated, like essentially like a food, but it sure does not seem like we're going down that road. Um, so metric has positioned themselves in a, in a very good position. They have I, hats off to them. They have a fantastic business model. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, so th- well, these um, are these are old numbers, maybe, but to your point, uh, from local publication grown in again, these are old numbers. April 20, 2022. Um, it looks like fifty percent of states with legal cannabis in the District of Columbia use metric. Twenty three percent use BioTrack. This so, is yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the map here to see if there's any recent additions, but this looks this looks pretty. This looks pretty up to date to me. Um, yeah, I don't know what this yeah, the second edition means, but it's an interesting number of the sixteen states in the New England, Mid Atlantic, and Midwest regions. Oh, nine states, fifty six percent use metric. Yeah, and so if I mean you look at you know Illinois, you know the biggest, uh, you know the four biggest markets are New York, Illinois, Florida, and California. Illinois flips. Florida is likely going to flip, and. New York, if that one goes, it's over. It's, I, mean, I, we're, I didn't realize we're what you meant earlier when you said that the things aren't recyclable or reusable. It literally says these tags have RFID chips that render the plastic unrecyclable. So right, so not, from a green perspective, they can't be they can't they can't be recycled. But you can't even reuse them. Like it's mm-hmm. not like you can't like you. Let's say you buy ten thousand tags for ten thousand plants. It's not like you can use the same tags next year. No, you throw those away and buy 10,000 more tags because yeah. the state says you have to, or they'll shut you down. Um, so I think, um, so touching on RFID, I think that one's really interesting. So um, metric position, they say, you know, oh, like we're, like we're this big, cause that's like the core piece of their tech is like, oh, we have like this RFID tech. And so, you know, we're, you know, and the, for the regulators so they can easily audit and things like that. So I, I spent some time. So I, my, the existing platform is like my, my software is like purely a Chrome extension because that's where like everyone goes to metric.com to like do all their compliance reporting. So I meet them where they are. 
But I have, uh, you know, they, 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 you know, position, they, they say like, oh, like we're, you know, we're this advanced supply chain thing and everyone's got this, these RFID um, chips on their plants to make like tracking easier. And so I was like, okay, well, let's, let's dissect that a little bit. Like, okay, so everyone is buying these RFID tag pieces of plastic and putting them everywhere. Um, but can the businesses actually use this? And so like, let's say you want, you have like a, you have a, like you have a grow room with like 5,000 plants and you want to like, you want to scan the RFID tags. Okay, go, I mean, like, let's go through this. Like, okay, let's go buy an RFID tag scanner. How much does that cost? If you go look, they're like two grand. They're outrageously expensive. And not only that, the, if like the scanner is only reading the numbers off of the tag. So like when you scan an RFID tag, it just, it, you get back the 24 characters and nothing else. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do anything with that, you need some software to glue that into metric. And metric does not offer any of this to the, to anyone in the industry. So, so they go, okay, farms, you know, produce, you know, manufacturers, here's your tags. Like you figure it out. We, we have no first party solution, which is crazy. It's crazy. So there's like third party providers that like, they're like, okay, you can buy our special scanner. That's three grand. And then you got to pay a subscription. And like, now you use us. That's, it, that's crazy. That's, it <laughs> makes no sense. So yeah. So something I've been playing around with, I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Like there's no, like everyone's paying for these expensive tags. There's no reason it needs to work that way. So I, as part of the platform, I'm, I'm experimenting. I have actually got one right here. So I got these, I'm working with these like cheap Chinese or not, not cheap, but less expensive, um, mm -hmm. uh, Chinese manufactured RFID scanners. And which is, uh, it's like 700 bucks. So it's still really expensive, but it's like a quarter as much. And I'm working on a, just like my current software, it's like a free and open source mobile app that allows people to like log in with their existing metric account and like scan and use the tags that they're paying for. Like you should with anyway, your phone well, yeah, or a phone or the scanner itself. Like you should, you <laughs> should, if you're able to, if you have a metric account, which everyone in the industry does, you should be able to use that in all the ways that like you're paying for the tags. Why can't you use them? Makes no sense to me. That's pretty anyway, cool, dude. Um, so, and, and like the, the whole idea is that like the base, it should be, free the base product should be free it right. should be open and usable to everyone because so many so before i was working on this i um i was do i was working on a uh another cannabis tech company and we were like trying to build a um like a marketplace like oh we'll um you know we'll facilitate transactions between cannabis businesses and it was a total like silicon valley mentality like let's raise money let's like you know, charge a percent of transactions and we'll, you know, we'll make millions of dollars by like juicing these cannabis companies. And we were not the only ones. There are plenty of existing companies that do this. And the amounts that they charge companies are, is exorbitant. It is like, it is so much money for them to just like run their operations. Like they charge like tens of thousands of dollars a year. And for, dubious benefit. I mean, it works for some cases, but like most people cannot, most companies cannot afford software budgets like that, where like they're charging, like I heard, I've heard like as high as like 50 grand a year for just to, just to be able to like integrate with metric. And so it's like, I, most of the companies that come and like, I come and use my product, I take no money from them. They use it completely free. They're like mom and pop shops. And it's just like, they're, 
they don't have the money for, for for cannabis software. So it's like, but they have to deal with um, kind of all the problems that the metric platform brings along with it. So it's actually, I think we should touch upon that. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so the well, metric I platform, guess because if I sorry. could, before we get to, to issues, because yeah. that's, I feel like that's a whole, that's going to be a whole topic in and of itself, just before we get off the topic of metrics, success and their footprint, yeah, could, could I know you kind of covered it in a few different ways, but I did write down that question. You said, "Why has metric been so successful? What What do you like? Wh- how are they? Yeah, what is it about it that that they're able to start being so prevalent in all these states? Like, I because we're about to talk about the issues, and they don't sound that great. So, like, yeah." Maybe it is natural to transition to the issues. I don't so, know. No, it's it's a very natural transition. So um, yeah, I think we'll we'll tackle it now. So they're cool. basically they have put all their they have put all their energy into um, making the most appealing contracts. Well, I, I guess that's the end of the sentence. That's the most the most appealing or sorry most appealing bids that they can. So it's the cheapest because mm-hmm. they're able to. I mean, if you think about it, they're really levying an extra tax on the on the consumer because all these costs get passed down to the consumer because let, let's think about it let's run through this let's say biotrack gets the contract in illinois mm-hmm. the illinois pays them 10 million dollars to run the contract that's covering you know software developers that's covering salaries that's covering you know they all their employees that are building and maintaining this software that that those dollars are coming from the state of illinois but metric comes in they undercut them and they say okay well instead of we're you know we're going to make our money but this money is going to come from the cannabis businesses and of course this money is passed down to the consumer like you're the dollar amount that you're paying for a box of pre-rolls 100% is, reflects what the state is not paying metric and so that that indirectly allows metric to um you know, to, to work the way they work, mm-hmm. um, which is not, you know, it's, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I think, um, I actually think a lot of the blame goes at the feet of the lawmakers for um, kind of enabling this sort of system to transpire the way that it has. Um, and the other thing is that I think, you know, the, the bids that metric is submitting are for the most part, not part of the public record. So we can't totally see what they're saying to regulators. Um, but they have obviously crafted a very appealing, platform and they you know they can they've got their you know their big plaques all, all their big is wall of success you, is this how you look at it i see there's this procurements thing that's the, that's the exact one yeah so if you click if you click bid by announcement and then if you click um notice of award the second link okay yeah so this is the um yeah so these are the dollar amounts interesting and then so if you scroll down you can see the other bids Oh um, yeah, so there's 500 grand for metric. Wow, biotrack, biotech. That I I I'm pretty sure that's that's biotrack because they do a bunch of other stuff too. Oh yeah, Nuruvu Group. I recognize them. <laughs> anyway, so it's Very like interesting, and you know it's anyway. So they're yeah. head and shoulders. Like I, if I was a regulator, like yeah, let's save the taxpayers a bunch of money. But um, at the same time, it's like. Okay, I mean you're um, you're sort of letting the wolf in the hen house a little bit because now well we're passing is, it on to the cannabis consumers again. That's yeah, what we it's, do. It's, in it's, right, this the 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 debt will be paid um, just by 
in a different place now. And I think the states are okay with it. I think they're all like, mm-hmm. all right, well, it's it's more expensive. Who cares? Right. And you know, the, the businesses suffer a little bit. Too bad. That's the nature of the industry. Right. Um, and that seems to be the prevailing attitude at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, uh, sorry, I'll I'll just make this really quick and we can we can transition, but yeah, we just posted this story yesterday from Marijuana Moment, and we are we have the highest prices in the nation. We pay 89% more on average than the rest of the United States. And our governor downplayed it amid a growing industry. And we've shared quotes from him before. He literally says that we limited the number of licenses so that people could make money so that people didn't go out of business. And I've always asked the question, did we legalize weed to guarantee business success or did we legalize weed so that people would no longer be in prison for using cannabis or for possessing cannabis or cultivating cannabis? Like, I don't understand where this business success idea came from, like ensuring success. And I, you know what, I think you actually, you touch on a really critical point there, which is that across um, really the issue of legalizing cannabis is like a two-step process, right? The first test is addressing the criminal, the criminal justice reform, which has largely been accomplished and wonderful. Um, but like now we're onto the second step, which is like, okay, you know, the industry is, is there. How do we legitimize it? And that has been largely unaddressed. Um, so I think I, I can appreciate from the state's perspective that it's it's really hard to get this right because you you had this like um as you know if if you go through the lineage of like states as they legalize and like the markets mature and like are transitioning out of you know black into white market um you know you can see this like the older markets are made very similar mistakes there's problems of oversupply which is not necessarily their fault because of course interstate commerce isn't a thing um so there's you know there's all these other crushing factors, um, you know, over-regulation in California is a big one. Um, but then, like, I, I think states, for some part, are trying to account for the mistakes of previous states. So, like, if you look at Oklahoma, they had basically unrestricted licensing when they rolled it out in their medical program. And I don't remember the exact number of, um, like, licenses they gave out, but it was, it was, un, it, was an, it was like thousands. It was thousands of licenses immediately. Um, in a state that's like way, way, way smaller than Illinois or you know any of the larger states. Um, and it's like, what uh, if, if you have a, you know, the oversupply like that hurts businesses in weird ways too. So I'm not saying that Illinois is getting it right, but it's, I think it's a incredibly difficult problem that no one has solved yet, but it is right. It is right to criticize legislators for not getting it right because they are certainly not doing enough, um, especially when there's so many problems that are affecting all the companies in this space. Um, some of which they could they could certainly um, uh, you know address. Like I think a, in a lot of states, like the social equity programs are a really important component, and like that's that is it is a good thing to have social equity programs. There is the right idea, and they should be promoted. However, if you are saying okay, well we're going to give these social equity applicants licenses and you know favor them to operate in this industry that is <laughs> absolutely crushes business owners. You will not have access to loans in the traditional sense. You will have, you have a very hard time getting a bank account if you can get one at all. You're gonna be subject to all these extra taxes, all these extra regulations. Good luck, <laughs> go, go go ahead, go enjoy it. Like what is, the, what is the prize that they're really being given? They're being given a completely raw deal. 
Um, I was at uh, I the the same conference I was at where I heard about Illinois coming to metric. Um, there there was a speaker there talking about um, you know how uh, social equity applicants and like lack of access to fundraising. And um, I asked the question. I was like, well, what do you what do you recommend since it's like it's basically impossible to get by come by loans because of the federal restrictions? And she said, uh, well, find some rich friends. I, I mean, that really is the solution. Like you find, find people that have money because the banks are certainly not going to give it to you. Um, anyway, so going, going back to the criticism of um, the Illinois uh, administration, I, I'm conflicted because like restricting licenses is, I mean, there is sort of a nod to um, preventing what happened in the States like Oklahoma, but at the same time, it's, um, there are lots of pieces of it that have that come across as very ham handed. Um, yeah, that's, that's just my take on it. If I could, I just, and then we'll move on to back to metric. Cause this is definitely a tangent we've gone on, but I love it. Cause it is, it is, it relates, you know, to metric and everything else uh, in a way. Um, I get what you're saying. And in fact, I want to play a very short clip from Oregon, which is another state. I think you would include it when you talked about, what you just talked about, right? Wouldn't you agree? Oregon did something similar to Oklahoma where they just kind of open throttle issued a bunch of licenses, right? And they had I a crash. Think so. Yeah, they had a crash in the market. We're about to, I'm about to play a small clip of their commissioner who's actually come on our show in the past. And he described exactly what you described where where everybody went out of business. And I, and I totally get that perspective. I want to share his little uh, snip really quick. Um, and then, then I'll wrap up my point um on this so glad <laughs> do you look back at it and think maybe we should have put some caps on production or on the licenses you know my job's not to second guess that i'm just the administrator but if you're asking me uh, I, I don't think so everyone just wanted to be the first in to have their stake in it and they were willing to take the risk to be a part of that market so I don't think that's necessarily bad. And in a control market, they'd be left out. They'd never get that chance. So like my perspective on that, and just if I could use a point to kind of close up what I'm trying to say is, you know, I get what you're saying. You're not wrong. That has happened in all of those states. Like people have gone out there for the green rush and lost everything. And that's horrible. And I don't wish that on anybody. But like he said, they, they, they did know what they were getting into because of the openness of that market. And, um, you know, like there are several other industries where that same exact thing is true. Restaurants, like it's a widely accepted fact, fact that 80% of restaurants go out of business within the first five years. And so, great point. so like, I get where this is coming from and I, it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't make business sense to me. It's just that it's like, why are we so, and I get it from a social equity standpoint, I guess. I want to just say that, like, if you want to ensure that the, the people you licensed under the social equity program are successful, I guess I get that. But it's like, why are we even trying to guarantee success of anybody in the business? Like, we should let everybody get in. Um, and, and then just, um, I know I'm going all over the place, but oh, uh, the other thing I am like I am displeased with uh, that you mentioned earlier uh, with the way we approached it with Illinois is so most of the criminal penalties were established in 1978 in the 1978 Illinois Cannabis Control Act. 
and most of them were not touched in 2020. Like basically we just decriminalized 30 grams or less and everything above that is still criminal. Yeah. So like those are two things where it's like, it's not where I, the first thing, it's not like I don't get where it's coming from. And like you say, it's a nod to those other states. In fact, that's what they say. That's what J.B. Pritzker has said uh, about this. He's He pointed out to Oklahoma and Oregon and all these states and said, look, that's what happened. But I don't know. I'm just like, why? It, it just is strange to me. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a del- it's a delicate balancing act because I think that um, operators in the industry are uniquely susceptible to massive destabilization um like for example um you know illinois has i don't know how many like seven or eight states bordering it and so Mm -hmm. each of those independently legalizing are going to draw away consumers because of course illinois was the first like you look at missouri which has had a very successful um cannabis launch um and i you could argue in some ways more successful than illinois and Illinois cannabis businesses on the border with Missouri, right there, there it was when Missouri legalized and opened up, like people coming that people stopped coming over the border because they didn't have to anymore. And so, um, you know, are like the industry is like subject to like massive price fluctuations that like it's not there are no, um, you know, like uh, if you know, if you look at agricultural markets, like there's so there's a lot built in to make sure that. Um, you know, the United States have a, has a hundred years of rich agricultural policy where they're protecting farmers um, from the destabilization that we're actively seeing in like this new agricultural market. And so it is, it seems disingenuous from the states for them to collect the amount of tax dollars that they're collecting and yet do so little to protect the industry that they're taxing in such a way. And uh, I, it's, you know, like, there's to tell to say that there's like there's nothing that they like that they can be so rigid with respect to like issuing licenses like if they, you know like in this in Illinois like yeah if there's a bottleneck like surely there are adjustments that can be made or like access to loan programs like there you could always do more um I, I remember I was talking to I was talking to a woman um who was uh um uh, she was a, a she was a social equity applicant in the state of Illinois. And I, I, there was some, um, uh, uh, there was a loan program that uh, the Pritzker administration was touting. You know, it was like, like this, like I think it was like ten million dollars set aside for social equity applicants, like to go to them. And I mentioned, I was like, you know, what do you think about this loan program? Because it was pretty new. And she said, that's a joke. Like you can't actually get access to the money. It's like there's way too many hurdles to jump over. Like it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's very performative. I was like, oh, that rings completely true. Um, so I. I think the states can do more and the the amount that businesses are suffering i mean it's not just metric it's the it's the whole ecosystem as a whole i they're not they're not doing enough they're not for the amount of money that they're collecting they're not doing enough well um we we were about to move on to the issues with metric um and i know we kind of we spun off on that tangent um i had asked you before that you know why has metric been successful and we decided maybe that Maybe we could transition to issues and bat and wrap back around to that. Do you think that sounds good still? Yeah, cool. yeah, uh, yeah. That's my my bread and butter is all the problems with metric. Um, <laughs> Let's hear it. So they're um, they are because they're their specialty is like being this essentially an RFID tag manufacturer. Um, they're not a software company, um, and they don't uh, the, the the way that their operation is run it. 
look, looks to me as a experienced software developer is a company that built a half finished piece of software and ran with it and has had to kind of play catch up this entire time and grew too quickly for it to like support them. So they've had a, they have a long history of lots of critical technical outages, um, which, you know, some people might look at that and go, oh, like, so what your software goes down. But the problem is that Animus companies, like you have to report everything to metric when you can't do anything. Like if you, like, for example, if you want to sell, like, let's, let's say you've got that, that case of pre-rolls I was talking about earlier, and you're, you're going to sell it to a dispensary. To sell it to a dispensary, you have to actually register that package in a transfer in metric and then transfer it to the, the license of the dispensary. And if you don't do that, the whole, the whole thing is illegitimate. And of course, that requires metric to operate. And a lot of the time, it doesn't. Um, they've gotten a little bit better over the years, but they have mass, massive issues. And like, I, like some of my clients and like companies that use the platform have like had these un, these unbelievable issues where like, so I'll give you an example. <laughs> um, I I work with a, a very large processor in Michigan, and uh, they um, very early when I started work, working with them, they called me up and they said, "We have so many packages in the in the metric." dot com platform um we have so many that the, so many that the site is crashing and we can't actually create a transfer and there's like 300 people that work at this company like i've i've been to their facility they're they're enormous they are enormous operation and so because they can't they can't submit transfers to metric and can't print the piece of paper that they have to give to the driver to take with them everything is shut down the whole operation came to a complete halt and so i was able to get them unstuck like over the weekend, I threw something together, but I think what metric support has been a big problem. And what they sent to me was, you know, they're at a complete standstill. They reached out to metric support because obviously it's their fault. And metric support said, yeah, we can get a fix rolled out to you in a week. Like they're expecting this business to just sit there for a week, just waiting, waiting for them to fix the site. It's completely unacceptable. And like, there are many, many issues like this. Like the whole, the whole, you know, where, the site goes down the whole, the whole state comes grinds to a halt. Like it's crazy. Like you can't like, buy, like there are third-party companies that like try and paper over this with like some success. But the problem is that it is a very underdeveloped piece of software that the industry cannot operate without. Um, and it's, it's a big problem. Like, yeah, the, the website has all these problems, like the API, which is what all the tech companies are integrating with, um, that has all like all these problems and missing pieces, and it, the whole thing's a mess. The whole thing's a mess, but they're they're taking over the industry, and uh, yeah. So I guess that's sort of where <laughs> where where I come in. Um, excuse me. And by the way, I just want to say again, I'm you know not to to plug my own stuff, but the the podcast I mentioned earlier, I think it was episode two eighty three. It's interesting that just. Justine has heard a lot of the same things you say. And I always just like to do that. Not that, you know, we are not believing everything you say, but it's interesting to hear it from other perspectives. And she also has her own little stories. So folks, if this kind of thing fascinates you, that's why I wanted to give a selfish plug for that episode again. I, it's a great episode. I, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed listening to it. Um, Thank you. And uh, 288, I said 283, it's 288 folks. <laughs> so. Um, anyway, so the, 
so the whole the whole genesis of I guess what I'm working on is yep. um so I saw like the uh, the initial idea was like we came in um with like a like Silicon Valley mentality like let's figure out a way that we can juice as much money as we can it didn't work because like the companies they didn't trust us oh god god they did they they hated me when I was like oh who's this who's this guy you don't know anything well, they're probably jaded um, and i did from I, all I, their I was like, oh, experiences with metric you know let me build you a website guys like it's totally yeah, totally naive um anyway but you gotta you gotta cut your teeth a little bit um and so anyway so that that totally fell apart so i started over um but i the main thing is that um you know we talk about metric in general as a platform and so much of like what consumers and i guess businesses too are used to dealing with today is like like, oh, like there's like these great apps that you can use for like, for so so much of what we do is app-based and like the web is kind of like, you know, pulling away as a platform, but like metric is like, own, is like only web-based. Like they're, they have this really bad website that everyone uses. Like that's their whole thing. Like the whole cannabis industry every day, tens of thousands of people are logging into this garbage website and like their whole business are like running through it. Um, and it works like it works enough to like for them to get through because like obviously the it works just well enough for them to renew the contracts, but it is not good. It is not, is not good at all. And so at the same time, there's like all these big expensive third party integrators that so metric does have an API. So if um, for non-technical people, that's like um, if you don't want to use the website, you can write a piece of software that basically talks directly to their um to their servers and then you can you can basically automatically instead of using a web page you um it, it, yeah it, it, you can you can talk to their servers in a different way and um there's there's no user interface it's just computers talking to computers yeah. um but the the api doesn't do everything in fact it's missing large pieces that businesses cannot operate without so the whole industry like there are these big software platforms that charge 50 grand a year and they say, oh, like we have this like all-inclusive, like we'll take care of everything, streamline everything, but you still have to log into metric.com to do like X, Y, and Z. Like if you want to buy tags and register a transfer and things like that, you still get to log into the website, but everything else we can do, which is bonkers, like absolutely bonkers. Like I, there's no, there's no equivalent of like any piece of software that I can think of. It's like, it would be like, like if you, like if you have a, if you're, your banking app, it's like, oh, you can do everything in like your chase app, but like. If you want to go buy checks, you have to go, you have to go walk into a physical branch location. Like it, it makes no sense that there's like these like carve outs, but everyone's doing it. So anyway, so what I, um, what I ended up doing was uh, I built a Chrome extension that sits directly on top of their website. And then it all talks directly to um, their servers through the website. And then I, that lets me automate everything that um, other companies are unable to do. So like, for example, like harvesting is a big one that's coming up. So it's like harvest season coming up in the United States. Um, there's a harvest tool in the software. It's free to use. Rough estimates this year, there's probably going to be like half a billion dollars of plants har harvested on the platform. Um, lots of companies use it totally free. Um, but it's like the way that you have to do harvest. Otherwise, it's like it's this garbage mess of like clicking and typing it's just it takes and like companies employ teams of people to do this and it just it does not have to be this way um and then at the same time uh i can read out information from metric that um 
the API does not have access to. So companies are generating all this business intelligence um, because everyone has to put everything into metric. Like it, it stores their whole operation. So there's like all these interesting things you can do with the data you're generating. Um, but, uh, you know, companies don't have, don't have automatic ways to access it. And so um, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So if you, if you think of like, like in your, if you look at your bank statement, um, let's say you like uh, you, you order something from an item target target online and you look at your banks, like in your checking account, you'll see a little string of letters like target.com order 608 or whatever. Um, that's all you get. The bank has way more information about that, that individual order than you, that they give you access to. They have when you ordered it, where you were, all that stuff, all that stuff is hidden from you. And in much in the same way, metric is the same. But these businesses, they want access to all of that and metric kind of like hides it. Um, anyway, so the extension that I work on basically tears open metric and says, nope, you get access to everything. You have all your stuff you can suck out and use any which way you choose. Um, so it's a pretty simple solution, but a lot of companies have found a lot of value in it. And I found a lot of success because companies are... The, the entire industry is struggling right now. And so companies are looking at ways, like I talk to companies every single week and the, the story is always the same. They're like, we need, we're trying to cut costs wherever we can. Like we've figured out the exact pieces of, you know, our business that we need to measure the, the measure the most, but like we're dealing with these giant software platforms that aren't solving anything for us and are way too expensive. So we're, we're slashing our budget and we're looking for a more inexpensive option and then they'll come to me and then I can, um, you know, build them some custom tools or like basically pare it down to exactly what they need. Um, anyway, so that's the business I run in a nutshell. Awesome. And you said it's for a free extension. Yeah. So um, it is a, are you stealing the, metrics model by offering a ridiculously cheap solution? So I I'm just fucking with you, by the way, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't want to steal anything from them. They have, they have nothing I want. Um <laughs> So you get it's what like I meant, though. You get my joke that yeah, since yeah, you yeah. taught me that they always uh, offer ridiculously cheap uh, <laughs> contracts. Yeah. So, um, so it's uh, yeah. So the the base the base piece of the extension is open source and completely free. So like anyone, if you use Metric, you, all you have to do is install the extension. There's no sign up. It just it sits on top of your Metric account, and then you're off to the races, and that's it. Um, and that's how it should be because the, no one should be subjected to you. Like metric does not have a search feature. Like if, if you like, if you're like, mm -hmm. okay, I've got these 20,000 packages and I want to find like, you know, this package or this tag, that should be easy. Yeah. That, should, there should, that should be a no brainer. They should have a search bar right at the top and it doesn't exist. Like you have this very convoluted way of searching. So I was like, screw it. I'll build a search engine. So that's part of the free product. It's like a great search engine that you can actually find your stuff inside metric like simple stuff simple stuff mm. where it, like everyone should have access to it um and then there's also there's a I'm, I'm rolling out a paid option soon that'll be pretty inexpensive but it just adds on extra features um but the main the main thing is that like the industry is like suffering and there's a lot of rent seeking behavior that i think leaves a really bad taste on my mouth partially because i <laughs> i attempted to go down that road but it's like i don't a lot of the companies a lot of the software companies have sort of taken a position like, okay, everyone has to use metric. And so while they're in this compromised position, um, 
you know, their businesses, they want to stay afloat. So like, let's, let's sell them this like really appealing product um, just, and they'll buy it because they have to, right. Because they're like, Oh, like, well, you know, we're suffering under metric and they're like, causes us so many problems. So like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll buy your expensive software and it really shouldn't work that way. Um, anyway, so I have, I guess the, the product that I work on is small enough. I'm the only person that works on it. It's just me. Um, it's small enough that like, I can, you know, I, the comp, the largest companies in the industry that I work with, like I, you know, I consult with them and that's how I make my money. Um, but it's like the small companies, like they don't, they can barely afford packaging. Like they're like huge software packages, like get out of here. Like it's not, it's not realistic. So a big part of this is like, I, I see a big opportunity to like help the industry out at least a little bit um, by kind of providing the sort of free software. So for now it's the Chrome extension. And then I hope to be launching um, the, the scanning tech soon. Cause it's something that I think everyone, everyone could use. Say that website again. Uh, the, the URL is trackandtrace.tools. Sweet. Um, I can try to put that in the podcast description. Track, sure. track and trace.tools. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Um, so I wanted to ask you a question. Do you predict, based off of what you've seen in other states and stuff, that Illinois medical or, or Let's just say Illinois cannabis customers, medical cannabis patients included. Do you think we're going to experience any outages? You said because I heard from Justine's perspective, there's just like downtime, and the system gets like over pinged or some mm, shit mm, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so there was um I in the previous podcast you were um you would you pulled up an article while we're reading it so there was one really bad outage it was probably uh probably three years ago where they were down for weeks they were totally down for weeks um and so it was it was bad enough that like the yeah there were there were still articles about it that you can find um and so you know i they have improved some like things have gotten a little bit better but uh I, you know there are still it, it's still it's a it's a very it's a very sloppy piece of software and so there's gonna there's gonna be you know especially as things like scale up um yeah there's gonna be growing pains so i can't there there are gonna be some outages i don't think there'll be week-long outages but um yeah, yeah it's almost like be... since illinois market is so limited that maybe we'll benefit from that because the system won't be overwhelmed it's not like we have like thousands of dispensaries like some states you know uh it's yeah and i it's um or I mean, you know maybe you know things will pick up and it'll get larger but um yeah it, i you know do you know be... is it an on-site thing that's that's or is it on-prem or is it a cloud solution no that's a technical uh, question they use uh they use Rackspace as their cloud hosting provider if i remember correctly so yeah mm. they're they're doing cloud stuff or maybe it's Maybe they moved over to Azure. I can't remember, um, but it's. I mean, I don't. I don't have intimate insights into what their tech stack is, but um, boy, it doesn't seem to work very well at the time. Uh, so I, yeah, it's a it's a problem. Um, yeah. Anyway. So yet to be yet to be determined. You don't have a strong prediction that we would experience any bumpy roads. I know it's hard to guess. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, there, there won't, I, 
there probably won't be anything major, um, but it's like any, you know, they're, they've got a rap sheet that's quite long. So if there were, if there was some large problem, I, it would, it would not surprise me. Um, and especially in a, because I guess the other thing is that like, this is kind of a unique situation where they're rolling out in a state that already had drag and trace infrastructure in place. Right. So like everyone coming online all at once, right. Cause in other states, the the limiting factor was essentially the rate at which licenses were issued, which is was quite low. And so, like maybe that would work to their advantage. So, if this is like a Illinois is online now, like maybe it gets swamped. <laughs> I can't I can't rule it out. Um, and I I I think their 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 history of uptime I think is um, causes me concern. So there could be some pain in the future. Yeah. I'm not predicting it, but it would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I certainly would not bet against it. Yeah. Well, let's see here. Um, any, any closing thoughts? I'm going to pull up something that you just reminded me of speaking of system transitions in the past. Not that this is going to necessarily predict the future, but it's always like, it's always nice to talk about the past. So I've got a citation on this so that we could, that if folks want to read more about it, they can, but wanted to give you the space any other thoughts or anything we didn't cover today um, that that you wanted to talk about or I think uh, well it's it's not metric related but I think it's going to be um, it's like the I guess it's more related with the recent developments in the industry like with respect to um, schedule three um, so I think uh, I I was doing um, I was doing research for a, a podcast that went on a, a while back and I came across um, an interesting piece of um, an interesting wrinkle in the, the legalization things. Right. So the, the whole part of the problem is that we're undoing a century of. Can you give uh, folks that don't have any idea what you're talking about first, just a quick, like a, maybe a quick background. Yeah, sure. So, um, yep. right. So recently um, based on the re a recommendation from the Biden administration, the, um, the Department of uh, Health and Human Services issued a recommendation to the DEA suggesting that they should reschedule cannabis from Schedule 1, which is what is currently, to Schedule 3, which is somewhere in the middle, uh, which I think is like uh, like Xanax and codeine. I, somewhere, so I, I, I can't remember the list of drugs there, but it's around there. Um, so yeah, I think Xanax is actually Schedule 4. Well, that might be 4. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, but it's a less severe um, restriction, but it's still, it's still a schedule, it's still a controlled substance. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens because, um, right. So they, the DEA ultimately has the, it needs to make the rescheduling, but the U S is part of an international treaty that, um, in the, uh, I want to say like probably 30 years ago, um, uh, a, an, an appellate court in the United States ruled that in order to, it's, it's an international treaty on controlled substances, and I'm the name is escaping me for the moment, but the, the U.S. courts ruled that in order to be compliant with this treaty, cannabis needs to be Schedule 1 and Schedule 2. Like that is that is absolutely what the court ruled. They said the, the DEA needs to keep cannabis Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 for us to stay in this treaty. So for the DEA to accept this recommendation, either the there needs to be some sort of reversal of this court decision or i'm not a lawyer so i don't know what has to happen but the the, the rescheduling of cannabis is a much stickier issue that i think people people realize and there's a lot there's a lot of mess um 
And, uh, you know, the other thing is that like, look at, look at our government right now. It's people, they're, they're all 60, 70, 80 years old. They have grown up in a lifetime of cannabis being illegal. And so, uh, you know, there's the, the safe banking act has been stuck in, um, stuck in Congress forever. So I think the, you know, I, I've said it before and I'll continue to say it, like, things are going to move a lot slower than people realize. Like it is just going to be glacially, glacially slow because there's a, there's a lot of interest in keeping things the way they are. And there's also people that are just resilient to change, including our legislators. Um, anyway, so for people that are getting excited about, you know, legislation or um, legalization potentially moving forward, uh, I, yeah, I <laughs> wait, wait and see. Let's, let's, we'll, let's be a little patient because things might take a while. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you, what do you, I mean, what do you think about the idea of rescheduling versus descheduling, which I think this whole thing kicked up a conversation about because it, it, part of the Biden administration's recommendation was to remove the, he said, you know, I don't believe anybody, I'm loosely paraphrasing. I don't believe anybody should be a criminal for, you know, using cannabis anymore. And so, um, I've heard that rescheduling would not, and like you say, it remains to be seen. So this is just speculation, um, but it doesn't necessarily address any of those things, um, especially at a you know state level. What do you think about the idea of rescheduling versus descheduling? It's pretty, it's kind of bizarre. So I mean, I, I've looked into the implications of rescheduling. So let's, let's assume that the DEA does end up proceeding to schedule three. So it helps in some ways, but it like in other ways it doesn't, right? So it's still a controlled substance. So there's still like, right there, like the a lot of the a lot of the issues from like the, it being federal legal are like still there. Like there there mm-hmm. are these controls exist. Um, I've read perspectives where like you know a lot of the control might be handed over to the FDA, which opens up a, a whole new can of worms. Um, and like who the hell, who who knows what happens then? Because now that's you know a totally different. Um, regulatory agency and like who knows what they'll do with it um from the perspective of like businesses it would open up interstate commerce which is really good because that's been a huge restricting factor um it would uh it would allow it would do away with section 280 which mean you know which is a, a lot of cannabis companies are like it's it's crazy like some if you are a um like a I think it's, I think processors are the most exposed to 280E. Like if you don't correctly structure your cannabis taxes um, or your business to like account for 280E right now, your your actual tax rate is like, your federal tax rate is like 80%. It can be up to 80%. That's bonkers. That's bonkers. That is unbelievable. And so all, so anyway, so schedule three would make all that go away. Um, but it doesn't fix banking. Like that's still a big problem. Um, and, you know, all the, you know, so all the problems with loans and all things like that, that still exists. So it, it's, it's a good step forward, but I, you know, I, I remember cause I, I lived in California when, um, uh, when they, when it was, it was legalized. And I remember there were like opponents to the legalization and, uh, they were, you know, they're talking like, Oh, like this bill is, um, you know, like if this passes, like we'll be stuck here. And so they were, you know, they were for cannabis legalization, but against this version of the proposition, which at the time struck me as like really bizarre. Um, Cause I was like, you know, t- take the win. Like this is going to like the prop is going to pass. Like, let's like start here. Um, and I guess as th- the way things bore out, uh, 
I, I can't help wondering if they were right a little bit because can't, California has been a has been a disaster. Like it's beginning to pull out of it, but the the rollout and all the regulation they pushed through was comical. Some like some of the some of the requirements were absolutely ridiculous. And uh, so I, I have to I have to wonder is like if if cannabis does get stuck in this schedule three, which is like this weird gray zone where like some things are better, but it's not totally all the way there. I have to wonder if like we're stuck there because like <laughs> does the federal government like say like okay there you got it's not schedule one will you shut up about it now like are we stuck there for 20 years is that is that what ends up happening um because like right once it's like uh once the pressure is relieved like they go where where's the political will to like move the ball forward anymore it's possible there's none so um the danger is that it would be stuck in this like intermediate place in perpetuity so um it's interesting times though <laughs> Very, very interesting time to to be in the industry. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard some people speculate. Again, I just want to reiterate that it's all yet to be seen. This is all uncharted territory. But, I've, you know, I've seen folks speculate, well, is this the end of state sanctioned cannabis? And it's like, why would it be? Like it's moved to a less schedule, like a lower schedule. And I've even seen a former FDA regulator say the same thing. Like why why would that no that like it, it'll it'll free things up maybe for certain companies but no like the state sanctioned uh cannabis markets are operating out of compliance with the CSA anyways so moving it to a lower schedule you'd think that it'd be like a lower infraction maybe but like mm. not a deal breaker you get you get that perspective I feel yeah. like it's an interesting perspective it's uh I, you know I. I, I'm not in the seat of power, so I, I it can't. Yeah. It's hard to get a finger right. on the pulse of where things are going. But two, yeah, very, so many people have ideas. It's two, hard. yeah, two, but two very discouraging development. I, mean, I, I would think that like the biggest players um, would have a an idea of like where things are going. And so, two developments recently that have really struck me as bizarre is one, like Mastercard saying like you can't like all the dispensaries had um, was like cashless ATMs where you could like pay you could still pay with a debit card and like it wouldn't put out cash it would just credit you to the um credit you to the point of sale so it was like technically you're accepting a debit card it was an end around it was kind of sneaky but mastercard recently put an end to it which is bizarre because you would think that like if they've allowed it this long like it would sort of be a tacit acceptance of this practice and slowly opening up the payment rail so to getting to the point where you can finally use credit cards but there's that's getting shut down which is not encouraging because you would think that they would have an idea like where things are headed. And then the other one was um, there's a, there's a very big, uh, so a big problem um, since telecommunications are federally regulated, sending text messages, which lots of dispensaries and platforms do to promote their products and do sales and stuff. Um, uh, big fire Twilio said, we're not delivering text messages for cannabis companies anymore. Um, so independently, these things might not mean that much, but that these are like large organizations with like, obviously deep ties to like federal programs that, um, you know, it's all interconnected. Um, the thing about I, Twilio is hilarious. I've never heard about that before. It's <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah, if you're, um, if um, it's, it's more, if like the data is dangerous. <laughs> well, it's like, I, it, it's a uh, very bizarre, but, um, yeah. you know, they're, uh, you know, they they certainly um, brush shoulders with like federal regulators. And so for both of these large entities to 
basically within a month of each other go, we're saying no to the cannabis industry. It gives me a little bit of pause. I don't, I don't know. It's, I, it, it certainly, it certainly supports my thesis that things are going to take longer because there yeah. doesn't seem to be the appetite to sort of like move to where like polling suggests we should be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. That's interesting stuff. Any other thoughts on just rescheduling in general? Like, have you heard any other um, speculations that make you wonder? I think it's an interesting time right now because just nobody knows, you know, what this is going to look like. I think the one thing that we know, if I could say this just really quick while you cook that up, is that the DEA's head of the head of the DEA, when, um, uh, Florida representative Matt Gates asked her questions about the HHS's letter, which at the time I don't believe existed. Um, she said that when they receive the letter, they go through an eight point factor review, which sounds really meticulous. Um, and sounds, like you say, sounds meticulous. Sounds, yeah. Uh, who knows how long that's going to take. And then there, but I thought this was interesting. There is a opportunity. She said for public comment, um, you know, so that's from the DEA and testimony, um, pretty recently. Um, but yeah, what do you, have you heard anything else? Like I, I had asked you before I said that, um, any other speculation that make you go, Hmm, you know, not about that. I think, um, well, I was reading today about, um, how, uh, Senator Schumer wants to push, right. Cause safe baking has passed the house a million times and then it just gets stuck in the Senate. And so I think, you know, Senator Schumer has, under underlined it as a major piece of legislation that he wants to get past this in the, the coming session this fall. So I think it will be very informative and probably prescriptive for where things are headed if that gets gummed up again versus if it gets passed. Because if safe banking gets passed this fall, then I think a lot of things are going to, I think then I think I'm wrong and things are going to fall into place really quickly. Like I think schedule three will probably quickly follow and then we're going to see a big shakeup in the industry um if it doesn't which i don't think it will then i <laughs> think it's a long winter um and it, so i actually it brings up an interesting point which is um yeah i think is a, a, a i guess a good closing thought for me is that like so much of the industry right now is like geared towards feature um featuring favoring like the largest companies like chicago is home to like four of the largest multi-state operators in the united states just happened that way um huge huge cannabis companies and uh you know they're they're operating in like most legal states if not all of them and you know have you know have operations all of them and so you know like way back when legalization was just a you know a twinkle in someone's eye um, you know, there's talk about like, oh, like the alcohol companies or the tobacco companies are like, they're all going to take over the industry. Like they're just waiting for cannabis legalization to be passed. But there being so much downward pressure on industry operators right now that uniquely positioned the largest people to survive, like all the pieces are in place right now for wh whatever is on the other side of this like legalization turnover for like the large companies to just sweep in and take over. Like there to be a massive consolidation. And Anheuser-Busch comes in, you know, InBev, whatever. They come in and buy a ton of stuff. It's just all the all the pieces are there because everything everything is against small companies because they're uniquely harmed by like all the problems and um, 
all the big companies are, they have the legal teams, they have the war chests, they have the, the reach and the ability to distribute their finances, they're going to survive. And so um, anyway, that's the state of the industry right now is definitely positioned for a massive consolidation, just as everyone predicted. So sure. that's what yeah. I predict. And just every, like as every other industry goes, right? Media, all that good stuff. So. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, before you go, I just wanted to ask you, I always like to ask people this, but I'm just honestly curious. Why do you like cannabis? Why are you interested in cannabis policy and stuff? Um, I, you know, I, uh, I'm, <laughs> when, I, when I was younger, I, I used it more, I not so much anymore, but um, I mean, it's, it, it always struck me as like really bizarre. It, you know, it's like, I remember in um, like my, my health class in like sixth grade, um, I remember like the, you know, the, the, the education about, uh, you know, they, they give about cannabis and they're like, oh, your brain's on fire. Like they say that they have posters, the guy's head on fire. And even at that young age, I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> like, this is not, this is way over the top. And then, um, it, you know, it, it didn't, doesn't take long to figure out like, oh, there's this, you know, look, look into the history of like cannabis policy in the United States. Like it's all, you can draw a very clear line back to like Mexican immigrants coming in from the Mex or Mex Mexican refugees from the Mexican revolution in 1910. Like you can draw a very clear line to cannabis policy today and like all the legislation and like racist policies that have pushed this thing through. Like it's the lineage is so clear and it's obviously so wrong. And so uh, I don't know, I got in the industry because it seemed like and initially just because it was like it was up and coming and i was like oh like you know the space that we can make a dent in but i've kind of dug this like little corner out for myself and i mean the feedback from companies that i get is really positive they're like hey man you're there's not a lot of things that are helping the industry right now and you're one of them that's actually um benefiting us because there's like there's like over a thousand companies that use my platform and um so i like to th i like to think that i'm making things a little bit better All right. Well, Matt, um, Hey, I had a lot of fun chatting with you today. Um, <laughs> Wait, we, we went for quite a while. Yeah. Hey, it's not our longest one. We, I love having just a long format conversation with, with folks. And so um, thank you for your time and um, it'll be interesting to see the future and maybe we could have you back on when it's more apparent that we have switched to metric and maybe, maybe something will happen. I don't know. And yeah. I'm sure you'll hear the word on the street because you've been paying attention to all these other places. So let's, let's do an emergency pod after the first big outage. <laughs> let's do okay. it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, folks. I hope you found as much value in this conversation as I did. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.